The Ice Analytics Podcast is sponsored by MyBookie. As you guys know, there's no other sport like hockey, from the fast tempo to the fights to the highlight reel plays, and there's no better way to make it more exciting than laying some money on it. By understanding the details of each team and game, which I'm sure you do listening to this podcast, you can turn that knowledge into cash with MyBookie.ag. Nobody gives you more ways to win than they do. They have the best payouts and better odds than any other sports book out there. And I wouldn't be telling you this if they weren't the best. You can risk a little or a lot on as many games as you want. And if you join my bookie now, they will match your first deposit 50% up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $100, you'll get extra $50 of free money. Deposit $500, you get an extra $250. Just use the promo code THPN to activate the offer and take advantage of this. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play, you win, you get paid. Just remember to use that promo code THPN. They'll match 50% of your first deposit. On this second episode of Ice Analytics, I'm going to be discussing the effect that the travel schedule has on teams throughout the NHL. The results may surprise you. I'm also going to be joined by Dylan from the Stick Hungry podcast, which represents the San Jose Sharks who have traveled more than any other team the past decade. This is Ice Analytics, hosted by the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to episode two of Ice Analytics. I am your host, Matthew Arp. I just want to wish everybody a wonderful 2020. Hope everyone had a happy new year. But if you truly did, I don't think you'd be listening to this podcast trying to nurse a hangover. Hey, for all of you that made it the rest of the week, much love. Thanks for tuning in. First off, I got some big news. This week, a dedicated feed for the Ice Analytics podcast launched on all major podcasting platforms iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. I would urge you, please support the show. Write a review if you enjoyed it. Give it five stars because it's that awesome. Here at the podcast and the network, we would really appreciate any love you can give us. Now let's get down to business. First up on Number Crunch, I'm going to be exploring the relationship between travel and team performance. There's a lot to talk about, and there's a lot of talk from the media at the start of every season about the travel schedules. I'm going to be answering the question, do teams that log more miles finish the season with less points than teams that travel less? This is going to be followed up by Stat Chat. I'm going to be joined by the boys from the Stick Hungry podcast, which represents the San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm going to be picking their brain and their thoughts on the travel schedule and how that has affected the San Jose Sharks over the years. So let's uh, hop into the uh, number crunch for the week. Let's get into this. You know, every season, a small army of sports journalists write a plethora of articles talking about the unbalanced travel scheduling at the beginning of each season and sometimes at the end of each season. And really what we're talking about is the West Coast teams. The underlying assumption of these articles is that travel is going to negatively affect team play. Teams that have less travel should perform better over the course of the season. And when you think about it, it does actually make logical sense. Traveling takes a lot out of you. Just ask anybody who flies frequently as part of their job. Jet lag, time zones, airports, yeah. Also, let's be real. 
Time is zero sum. If you're spending time traveling, that's less time you could be doing other things, whether hockey related or just free time, spending time with your friends and family or by yourself or whatever. At the very least, I think we all can agree there's no advantage to spending a bunch of time moving from point A, point B. That's the nature of the NHL. Teams play at home, teams play on the road. There's going to be travel. There's no benefit to it. And I think we should expect to see a relationship between the number of miles traveled and team performance. So how do we do this? Well, I pulled data for the, for the past 10 seasons going back to 2008, 2009, and using standings points as a measure of success, what did we actually find? Well, three big things stand out, and I'm gonna go through each of these individually. But first of all, there's some league-wide stuff and divisional stuff that needs to be talked about. There's also some interesting team-level data. And lastly, the elephant in the room, strength of schedule. So let's start with the league-wide stuff sitting here looking at this data going back 10 years to 2008-2009 season, it is absolutely true that Pacific Division teams have been required to travel significantly more than any other division. And especially compared to the current Metro Division or the old Atlantic Northeast Division, Pacific teams have to travel significantly more than they do. The teams that led the NHL in miles traveled should come as no surprise. San Jose has led the league four times. Calgary has led the league three times, with LA, Arizona, and Edmonton leading the league once in miles traveled. In terms of teams that have led the league in the fewest miles, we're talking about Jersey, the Islanders, Buffalo. Multiple times they've led the league in least number of miles traveled. And this gap is not insignificant. From 2008 to 2013, before realignment, team with the most travel had double the number of miles that the team with the least travel had. San Jose traveled 56,000 miles one year, and Jersey traveled 28,000 the same year. Now, this all changed in 2013-2014 when divisional realignment took place. And this had a two-fold effect on the travel schedule. The new Metro Division teams saw an increase of about 20% in miles traveled when, than, than previous seasons. And Pacific Division teams actually saw a decrease of about 10%. But the total number of miles traveled across the NHL has remained relatively constant over the past decade. Somewhere between 1.18 million and 1.28 million total number of miles traveled across all teams. Last year, we actually saw the greatest number of miles traveled in the past decade at 1.288 million. The difference is it's more evenly distributed than before realignment. If we compare the team performance before realignment and after realignment, there's very little difference in the effect that this balancing of miles had. Neither one was significant enough to be conclusive. There's a very loose relationship between number of miles traveled and your team performance. And to put that in perspective, if you look across the NHL, for every 10,000 miles that you travel, you're looking at about a one point drop in the standings. Very insignificant on the surface. But when you dig a little deeper, there's some very interesting nuggets. While there's little to no evidence that more travel is correlated with less points, not all teams are affected equally by their travel schedules. Some teams have actually had better seasons when they travel more. Three to note, Vancouver, the Islanders, and the Sharks. 
whereas other teams have been disproportionately affected by their travel, including Buffalo, Columbus, and Chicago. Now, full disclosure, and this needs to be said up front, this is a small sample size. We're talking 10 data points, one for each team. There's some serious limitations on this. With a sample size of 10, it's not going to be totally reliable. There's other spurious factors, and it doesn't give the, uh, the full picture. However, when you look at divisional level data, bigger sample, between 50 and 80, or set, you know, in, in then that range, depending on before alignment or after realignment, there is a very interesting trend that stands out. Pacific division teams, the current day Pacific, post realignment, and Atlantic division teams, post realignment, actually do better when they travel more. Whereas central and metropolitan teams do worse when they travel more. Now, that's not to say that they perform equally as good or bad. The Pacific and the Atlantic did better when traveling more, but not at the same rates. The most interesting nugget when you look at divisions is the central. There is an actual statistical significance when looking at the central division over the years. Uh, on average, every 10,000 more miles teams in the central division travel, they finish with about 10 points less in the standings. Something going on there. Pacific, Atlantic do better. The metropolitan teams do worse when they travel more. But the Central Division is the one division where there is a statistically significant relationship between travel and your standings in the points in the direction that we would expect. So what do we do with this? And on its own, there's really barely relationship between travel miles and winning percentage or standings points across the league. The one thing you need to factor in, though, is strength of schedule. Since every team in every division has a slightly different schedule because you play your division in your conference more than you play out of conference or out of division teams, you gotta you gotta take into consideration how difficult these teams you are you're playing are. And when you factor in and hold that constant, if you hold the strength of schedule as a constant, you actually find that the number of miles traveled does become significant. The problem for our theory is that it's in the opposite direction. Teams that have a the same schedule, the same strength of schedule, actually perform better when they travel more at a statistically significant rate. For example, for every 10,000 miles they travel, you're actually going to get two points more in the standings. So if your team traveled 50,000 miles, you'd finish with an average of four more points than a team that traveled 30,000 if your schedules were the same. It's kind of surprising to me, at least. I, I know I was very surprised when I found this because holding strength of schedule constant, which is probably the biggest determinant of how many points you have at the end of the year, travel isn't as significant as everyone wants you to believe it is. So there you have it, folks. And uh, just, just to bring it to this year real quick, if you want to look at the top three teams with the worst travel schedules, Chicago, Edmonton, Arizona, two of which are looking pretty good right now. And if you look at the top three teams, the least amount of travel, Jersey, Pittsburgh, Washington, also two teams that are looking pretty good. So is this a determinant? I don't know. But is it a factor? Yeah, probably. Uh, just not in the direction that we would expect. So you know what? I'm going to bring in boys from the Stick Hungry podcast.
All right, today on Stat Chat, I'm joined by Dylan, the host of the Stick Hungry podcast, representing the San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can find him on Twitter, at StickHungryPod. Welcome to the show. Ben, pleasure being on the show. Always happy to talk some hockey and talk some San Jose Sharks. I know we're kind of in the dumps right now, but uh, it's always a pleasure talking some hockey. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I'm glad you, you started this off by things being in the dumps right now because the Sharks had a pretty interesting offseason with Pavelski leaving and then you get Marlowe back and things have been really up and down this season. I mean, just looking at the, at the, the schedule, I mean, it seems like you're going on runs and then you're losing a couple games and, and everything. We're like a third of the way through. How, how are you feeling so far about the way the season's gone? You know, yeah, it's been really up and down so far, and I really don't know what to expect from this team right now, to be honest with you. I mean, like you said, they had that run of games for about, I think, 13 games. I think they were 11-2 and two on that stretch where they were looking pretty good, but they've come back to earth now. Pete DeBoer just got fired, so I think that's kind of sending a message to the team. Uh, I think there's more changes to come. I think Doug Wilson's the kind of guy who's not afraid to make changes when things aren't going well. And I think that's the case right now. Like, if you're looking at the stats, looking at the way the team's playing, I, I don't know if uh, the San Jose Sharks are a lock to make the playoffs this year. And that's, that's kind of scary for Sharks fans. It's kind of crazy because didn't, didn't they have, like, a was it 21 years in a row that they made the playoffs or some record for a while? I mean, it, it's really been an unbelievable run for the Sharks. And, yeah, you, you'd think, you know, every year they're kind of a lock. They, they have so much great talent on the team. Joe Thornton's still around. Patrick Marlowe's there. You'd think they're a lock. But, uh, you know, I, I think they're starting to see that the league's kind of developing into something a bit different. And I think that they have to start making changes. And, uh, like I said, I, I don't think Doug Wilson is the kind of guy that's afraid to make changes. So I think we're going to see a bit more than just a coaching change uh, for the Sharks team. He's got to be one of my favorite GMs just in terms of, and I think the move that solidified it for me was the uh, when they flipped Hoffman. So that was such an awesome move because they acquired him because, you know, the Senators uh, didn't want to send him in conference, in division, and then they sent him to San Jose and then they just immediately flip him back to, to Florida. And I thought that was just a slick move on his part. No, I mean, and he's shown that he's not afraid to go out of the box. He'll he'll make big moves. And like you said, that that flip with Hoffman, I don't know who else would have made that move. But Doug Wilson was willing to pull the trigger. It might have ruffled some feathers, but hey, he, he's been willing to do it in the past. Um, and, you know, he's made some big trades on his San Jose Sharks team that's typically been, you know, near the top of the conference on a yearly basis. But he still pulled the trigger on some big massive trades uh so i think that kind of shows his gming style and just you know how he approaches the game he's not afraid uh to make those big moves and i think that's kind of why the sharks have been on top for as long as they have no doubt no doubt well uh, i guess getting into the topic at hand because what's really interesting and i think the one thing that a lot of people i'm sure heard noise about years ago was the uh, on the national media side of things was about the Sharks' travel schedule because the Sharks have been the poster child for being abused by the league office. And I think that, uh, I mean, it was like three years uh, from 2008 to 2013. They had like double the number of miles traveled than the team with the fewest number of miles. So I guess, uh, who did you guys piss off at the scheduling office? 
Yeah, I, I don't know who he pissed off, but uh, I think now now that we're not, you know, the new kids on the block, we're more of an established franchise. I think uh, I think they're starting to smarten up over there at the head office. <laughs> um, so I, how big was realignment, though? Because like I said, 2013, was, there, was a, there was a shift. That was the last year that they had such a, a huge margin over the rest of the league. 2014 on with the realignment of the Pacific Division, that seemed to clean things up significantly. How, how did how are the fans and and how how do you guys feel about realignment? Like, are you pretty satisfied with with the result of that? Well, I mean, there's always going to be an issue being on the West Coast with travel. I think you know every West Coast team kind of experiences this. But like you said, in the past, it seems like San Jose kind of got it worse than other teams. Um, just looking at the numbers. You know, in 2008-2009, the San Jose Sharks traveled 56,000 miles over the course of this season. Looking at some of the New York teams, they're in the 28,000 miles. So, you know, you can see quite a considerable difference there. Um, And they would kind of bounce back between, you know, the high 40,000 miles, between between the high 50s. And, yeah, that much time on the road does affect a team. And I think now we're looking at the numbers after realignment, we're kind of pretty consistent in the low 40s, mid 40s, which is kind of in line with other Western teams, which I think is nice. Uh, one thing to consider looking at the schedule, we do experience more back-to-back games now. Um, I don't know if that makes up for those uh, those miles that we traveled, but I, I'd say in general after realignment, I think it's been uh, – I think it's been better for the San Jose Sharks as far as the schedule has gone. Yeah, it definitely. It has to be better than what it was before. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not saying much. It's not saying much. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, we know, you know, the reality of when you're playing a, a cross-country, cross-two-country North American sport, you know, some teams are going to have to travel more than others. Like you said, the Pacific Division has always been, you know, getting the brunt of the travel schedule. But, you know, the Sharks, for some reason – seem to perform well in years that they have to travel a lot. And I'm just curious, I mean, like as an insider of, of the franchise, how do, you do, how do you do that? I mean, because I think the general narrative is, is that the more you travel, the worse that you should perform as a team. That hasn't necessarily been true for the Sharks. Like what, what kind of like black magic are they practicing to be able to do that? <laughs> well, I don't know if there's any black magic and like, I don't know if you can really quantify it. I know this is a stats uh, analytics show, but you know, I think there's something to be said, you know, for a team being on the road together for a while. I think, you know, I, I think the team does bond. And like I said, you can't really quantify that. And I think being away from home for a while, yeah, it's tough for some guys, but you kind of just get in the mode. All you're really focused on is hockey at that point. And I think that served the San Jose Sharks pretty well over the years and also just having a great leadership group. I mean, having Joe Thornton, having Patrick Marlowe around, having consistency on that team. I, I think that's really what's helped us through those tough years where we're traveling, you know, upper of 56,000 miles, 57,000 miles. Just looking at the stats right now, it's pretty unbelievable how much travel they were doing before realignment. No, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it has been, it's been a pretty uh, consistent veteran group and, how huge was it getting Marlowe back this year? Oh, I, I think it was huge for this team. And, you know, we were struggling early on. I think, 
you know, I think management expected some of these young guys to take a step up. And I think a lot of them didn't quite get there. And that's why they brought Patrick Marlowe back. But I think he's been pretty good so far. You know, he's been pretty effective on the power play. And that's kind of where you expect him to make his mark. Um, and also just, you know, having that leadership in the room again, I think helps. Having a new captain in Logan Couture, I mean, I think I think he appreciates having Patrick Marlowe back as well. It kind of makes his job a little bit easier as he gets used to being a captain as well. Absolutely. Well, I guess so. I guess the uh, final line of inquiry I have for you is about uh, what what kind of analytics or stats and and the way that the Sharks are using them. Uh, I know they hired somebody interesting guy. The Athletic did an article on him last year. Chris Townsend was is a former NCAA player. He played in the Central Hockey League, and he was a video analyst uh, down in um, uh, for the AHL. Gets promoted to the NHL, and now he's a hockey research and development analyst. Former former hockey guy player who also is a stats guy, and and I think uh, I mean that that's a cool background of his, but. What are, you, what are you hearing as far as like being on the ground and everything like is, is, you know, some franchises like down the street, the docks have no use for analytics and, and other franchises seem to be more open to it. Um, what, what, what's, what's the Sharks uh, perspective on this, would you say? Well, we kind of talked about it early on about Doug Wilson being out of the box. And I think, you know, he's been with the San Jose Sharks for over 10 years. And I think early on, he kind of implemented analytics into the system. And I think from there on out, the Sharks have kind of used analytics all throughout their business um, and on the hockey side. Um, So, I, you know, I can't really go into one area where they use analytics because I think it's pretty much throughout their business. I mean, they're pretty lucky too, uh, being in the San Francisco area with all that tech going on. But yeah, I I think that uh, Doug Wilson has used analytics for his team. I think it's helped out. You know, they've used some different methods uh, because of all this travel that they've done, you know, sleep scheduling and whatnot. There's uh, there's different things to work in there. And I think he's he's been really open uh, to using different methods. And of, of course, analytics being one of them, they're adding more people to their staff as it becomes more relevant in the league. Uh, so I think as long as Doug Wilson is around as GM, they're, they're going to be keeping up uh, with the trend. Hey, that, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear that uh, they're embracing it. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm going to give you the, the floor. Do, do you have any final thoughts either on the issue of uh, travel scheduling and if you want to like call out the guy at the league office that has been screwing you over all these years or just like give a shout out or like whatever, whatever final thoughts you have on this. Uh, well, from the San Jose Sharks, uh, shout out American Airlines. You've treated us well. Actually, no, I, I don't know what they use. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the travel has been pretty brutal for the Sharks. Like I said, it's been getting better over the years after realignment. I mean, being on the West Coast, I think it's something you just got to deal with. There, there's these other, there's other teams on the West Coast. You know, the Vancouver Canucks, the Anaheim Ducks. They all got to do the travel. If you look, actually, if you take a quick peek at the AHL map and look at the teams there, those California teams got to do quite the traveling because they're they're the only teams on the West Coast essentially. Um, so you know, it's it's been pretty bad for the San Jose Sharks, but I'm not going to say it's been the worst for us in the last five years. Um, final thoughts on, you know, this season going forward. I I foresee the San Jose Sharks making a big trade. I think, uh, 
I think Doug Wilson's ready to make something big. I don't know if it's going to be Taylor Hall. I don't know what's going to happen there. By the time this is aired, that might have already dropped. But I think there's going to be something big from the San Jose Sharks team in the next month or so. Do you want to give a uh, you want to give a hint? You think it's going to be forwards, or you think it's going to be de- a defense? You know what? I'm going to throw a third option. How about goaltending? You know, it's it's been a it's been a tough part for the San Jose Sharks in the past few years. I think it's something that's kind of held us back from being a Stanley Cup contender. You know, there's not many options out there, but I think you got to explore that if you're the San Jose Sharks. Well, not to totally derail the conversation. What, what would you give up though? for Tristan Jerry right now? Um, yeah. You know, at, at this point, I think the Sharks team has to commit to competing. I don't think they can go into a retool. So I think you can throw up draft picks. I, I think you can offer some good uh, pieces, good uh, good prospects, you know, if you're getting a good young goaltender. And so uh, I, I don't know what the exact price tag would be, but I, I think the San Jose Sharks got to be open to giving up picks. Nice, nice. Yeah, and, and I hope... Uh, you know, I, I wish them the best and I hope that they can figure out that goaltending situation because that is, pro- like you said, that has been their Achilles heel for the past few seasons. No, and it's it's been up and down this year, just like the Sharks have been. I mean, Martin Jones and Aaron Dell have had some pretty stellar performances uh, this season in, in this pretty bad season. But at the same time, they've had some pretty, pretty bad games where they're letting in five, six goals. So that does not help out this team at all. We're pretty talented, but we can't put up seven, eight goals to win a game. So yeah, like I said, I, I think that's something that they have to address whether or not that's by a trade. I mean, I don't know how else they're going to do it here. I don't think Martin Jones is going to turn over a new leaf and become you know, a standout goalie, he's, he's up and down, like I said, and you need a bit more than that. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that's my prediction, a big, uh, big trade for the San Jose Sharks coming up. Well, you heard it here first folks and, uh, book it. <laughs> and, and I guess, uh, all I got to say is, man, I, I just want to thank you for taking the time to, uh, to join me on this, uh, edition of stat chat. No, it's been an absolute honor. I mean, this is a pretty sick show you got going on. Pretty exciting stuff for you. I mean, ha- having your own show. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to see what you do with this in the next few months. Um, yeah, thank, thanks for having me on. All right. Well, uh, you guys can find Dylan, the host of the Stick Hungry podcast, on the Hockey Podcast Network. And you can find him on Twitter, at Stick Hungry Pod. Thanks for coming on once again. Thanks, man. That concludes our interviews of Stat Chat and brings us to the moment in which we reflect on the original question and draw some conclusions from this topic. And there's a couple of big takeaways that I think from examining the travel schedule. First of all, travel is always going to be unequal. Teams on the West Coast are just naturally going to have to travel more because of their geography and the geography of the rest of the league. Realignment did fix the rampant inequities that existed between West Coast and East Coast teams, uh, having double the amount of travel for the San Jose Sharks compared to the New York Islanders, for instance. But that effect, uh, the realignment effect that it had on the number of miles traveled, had little effect on the team's performance or the relationship between travel and team success. Which brings us to our third point. Travel affects every team differently. Unfortunately, because of such a small sample size of 9 or 10 data points uh, looking over the past decade, it's 
impossible to draw a definitive conclusion or at least a statistically significant conclusion but even with a small sample size we do see that central division teams have fared the worst when traveling over the past decade and pacific division teams actually handle travel the best which seems a little counterintuitive to the narrative that you hear every season or every few seasons because they want you to believe that travel does impact team success and there is one outlier though and that is the san jose sharks and it was a pleasure to talk to dylan and get his thoughts on this because they are the only team even within the pacific division to finish above average above the expectations and above the trend line regardless of the number of miles traveled and they did this every season for the past decade so maybe there is something to the cohesiveness of the locker room the leadership in the locker room to be able to hold the group together the number of years experience uh there there must be something else going on that has allowed the sharks to overperform teams even within their own division which tends to perform pretty well compared to the others but honestly the most important thing when you factor in the difficulty of opponents played travel may actually have a positive effect on your on your team's success both at home and on the road so all i can say is the next time that you see an article at the beginning of the or the end of the season discussing the impact that the travel schedule has on your team be skeptical there's a lot of other factors some teams are better with travel some teams are worse and the strength of schedule the number of back-to-backs there's other variables that are more important than the actual number of miles logged be sure to tune in next week where i'm tackling the somewhat controversial issue of arena attendance is there a relationship between the number of people in your arena and your performance as a team find out next time on ice analytics and remember folks drink and think responsibly Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Ice Analytics, your source for NHL stats and analysis hosted by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Ice Analytics, and you can find the show notes at www.statsenforcer.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to our feed and leave us a review.